QVC Quality Violent Cinema Hello, everybody. Welcome to Quality Violence Cinema. We are on episode 10. Um, we are getting into some censorship and um, some movies have been banned and caused a lot of controversy and kind of digging into the um, reasons why and um, what all that has caused. Um, and yeah, and we also have a guest, Nathan Rumler, who uh, has done uh, Amityville Vibrator that everyone kind of is notorious for. Um, also did Fang Boner, um, Gay for Prey. Uh, did a short recently called Wrath. So yeah, he's uh, and he's acted in a lot of different things um, from uh, Rock Bottom Productions, and so he's had his hands in a lot of things, a lot of acting roles. Um, so yeah, we're gonna touch into that and kind of get into some of the his, what he thinks about censorship, and because a lot of, he's definitely one of those people that's not afraid to uh, show it. Yeah, we did a little viewing of Fang Boner the other night. Dang, man, that movie was crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely one of those ones you don't expect. And, and it's funny because Ian had seen uh, Wrath first and then didn't really see anything else. And so it was it was definitely a big shock for him, I'm sure. Yeah, so we're going to get into our episode and into censorship. So some, I mean, this has been going on for a while and there's been different reasons for censorship you know regional doesn't have to it can be religious reasons it can be um legal reasons because of certain things that are in the film that are questionable um senses of morality and people just question um sexuality in it and there's a lot of reasons yeah yeah there's um well you said it's been going on for a while. It's actually been going on since the beginning of time. It seems like censorship is just something that. Well, yeah. And when you look goes at it, hand too, in hand with movies. Yeah, when you look at it too, like the one of the first films that was ever made was an erotic film. So, you know, give somebody a camera, they're going to make a porn type thing. So, there's going to be obviously a um, censorship battle right off the start. Oh, um, yeah. And. And it's just more of the battle of like, well, should this be distributed or should this just be private distributed? And, you know, and one. And it really has a lot to do with uh, cultures because, you know, some what's okay in one culture might not be as okay in another culture. So some of the stuff we talked about on our Japanese fetish episode uh, are things that can't be distributed here. Such as, uh, so the GKSD stuff that you were talking about. Yeah, Saudi screams. Mm-hmm. Anything from Zeus, really. I think, I mean, they might be able to get some, like, low-key distribution, but I don't think it's going to, you know, what what we think of distribution. It's not going <laughs> to, it's not going to get on that. Yeah, and, and nowadays it's, it's become definitely a, a battle with uh, how accessible these films are with the internet and anyone setting up shop that can just be anything they want. Um, and then there's borderlines of all these people going through and having to make sure that these people aren't actually producing snuff or whatever it be, but they're no longer, um, just distributed through main distributors. Cause there used to be a big battle and why there was such a legal censorship and it's because people wanted, things to be put on to theaters because that was the only way that people were going to see this. Otherwise there was no internet. There was no this, there was no that. Like if you weren't put in the theater, your film was shit. 
um, or just was never seen. So, it was and that's kind of what happened with Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Um, they stuck it with an X rating because of all the violence and sexuality and how raw that movie was. And, you know, that's why they had to put in the NC-17 rating to even establish that. Mm -hmm. So movies that could come out that were a little bit more hardcore than a rated R film could come out. And, you know, I think it was that. But also, (laughs) I remember Showgirls being like the first NC-17 movie to come out. Oh, yeah. At no, least when I was a kid. But no, and I even remember that... Um, Henry wasn't on my radar back then. Right. Even back then, there was like the Hollywood video versus Blockbuster, where Hollywood uh, video was known to play more or have the movies were more NC-17, but then Blockbuster would even make their own edit versions so that they could sell it at the store. So you got the, these like he- heavy edited Blockbuster releases. Oh, yeah. Um, you had to be desperate when you went to Blockbuster to rent a movie. Yeah, especially if you knew that it was in any way... Um, thing because you were guaranteed to get a chop the fuck movie oh yeah it was like their own cuts like yeah I they wish did I had some of those like though. they had their own business that was like editing their own shit and then redistributing it especially when there's vhs days because they just cut the fuck out of the i VHS. was thinking about this though and i was like i kind of wish i had those because those are movies i could watch with my son like, <laughs> right they're, they're like cut out all the boobs and stuff and like all the weird sex stuff and but they might cut out some of the gore and he yeah or record those made for tv ones um because all those you can't unless somebody archived it and recorded it like you're not going to find that yeah yeah i've always wanted like the the censored version for tv like mm because he loves jason movies and i'm fine with him watching jason kill people but maybe you can make your own edits or something i actually tried that with freddy versus jason but i didn't want to watch the whole movie while i was editing it so i just like looked up certain scenes so i could censor it myself or you can fake face yourself and so it seems no <laughs> i'm sitting there like on the computer doing something else and he's watching my quote-unquote censored version of freddy versus jason where i took out all the like i don't know i took out you know when he <laughs> the boobies the boobies the homophobic screaming stuff and like like some sex scenes and stuff but I took all that out, but I forgot to take out one of the sex scenes, and it was like one of the biggest sex scenes. Right. And I'm like just playing computer, doing something on computer, and like my son's just like, Dad! <laughs> He's covering his eyes. He's like, you forgot a scene! <laughs> like, God damn it, that means I have to edit it, render it, burn it. He doesn't understand how much work I had to put into yeah. censoring that material. Well, I mean, that's kudos for you to doing that. and You probably learned some stuff by doing that, too. Yeah, I, I should probably like actually watch the whole movie while I censor it rather than just look up the parts I need to take out. Yeah. So get into some kind of later films in the... Like kind of before the Video Nasties. I mean, even though it's technically in the Video Nasties, but didn't come out during that decade. It was one of those ones that branched into later when it was trying to get redistributed. But it's uh, Love Camp 7, which was made in 1969. Uh, good year to come out with a movie called Love Camp. Uh, but yeah, it's just all about the, it's basically the first Nazi exploitation film. Um, and the British uh, board of the film classified and deemed it um, un, unsuitable. But Yeah, I think movies with Nazi stuff in them make people in Europe very uncomfortable. So I think there's a lot of censorship based around anything that has to do with Nazis, probably not even just in horror or exploitation films. But. Yeah. Cause they're obviously that you're going to have a target audience. that's going to be offended. 
Yeah. Um, and there's actually a lot of people that talk about that and that are just Jewish that go into these films and just being like, yeah, I can watch whatever, but these films are just the ones that I have problems with. And like, it doesn't just, it's yeah, just naturally some, to want to n- not like these. Yeah. I've met people that are actually triggered by like that kind of stuff mm-hmm. in movies. So yeah. And this film is anti-Semitic movies and stuff banned in Australia and, um, Uncut was didn't come out until like 2005 in Australia, which is crazy for a film and that came out in 1969 and it didn't get a, an official uncut release until 2005 in Australia. By the way, I wasn't saying the movie was anti-Semitic. I'm saying movies with stuff in the in the movie that right. are anti-Semitic. Right, and it kind of just makes more of a play off of that fear, exactly. but more just exploits it for like girls more than anything it's more it'd be the same thing of watching a um a girl in prison movie yeah it's um sleazy. they're very similar it's sleazy but i think yeah messing with like just factoring in something like the holocaust or the war world war Two or whatever actually is pretty sleazy to, to bring something with that much weight into uh, like a nudie film you know yeah. what i mean so i think getting to later on there was a uh, last house on the left in 1972 um, just say it got heavily banned in many, um, just resulting in a lot of things UK, of course, um, just due to the sadists and violence. Um, and it was one of the ones that kind of started in that too. And that also, like I spit on your grave are the ones that kind of paved the way for the, uh, video nasty name and label. Um, but yeah, that one's really good. And then also the last house or last last house on Dead Street, which definitely claimed to get their name off of the hype of um, Last House on the Left. But apparently the original title was the Cuckoo Clock of Hell, and it was like a four hour thing. And the um, they did a whole screening of it, and um, it, the audience did started a riot. Um, and so. They cut it down to an hour and 30 and it was released in 1977 as Fun House and then re-released in 1979 as Last House in Dead End Street. That's so weird because what I've seen of that movie, I can't imagine how they What a would've... three hour movie that would be. It's like, so weird. Yeah, I like the I, name, The Cuckoo Clock of Hell. Yeah, it's cool. It reminds me of like a Lucio Fulci movie like Cat in the Brain or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the the, the original three-hour cut is just basically lost in media. And that, that movie's like about people making snuff films, right? Mm-hmm. So they made a three-hour version? That'd be whatever. It's something I'd like to explore more on. Yeah, right. But yeah, be the guy that finds it. <laughs> <laughs> so one notorious one is Ilsa, She-Wolf of the SS, 1975. It was just rejected banned outright in norway um on australia for the sexual violent and disturbing content kind of thing but uh, i mean it's pretty exploitive in women um and then the second uh i don't know if just franco did i know he did the second one or did a couple of the of them but yeah but they're always are very notorious for just a lot of nudity Oh, and the torture is just so brutal too, and the mm-hmm. violence. There's a lot of ma- they, there's a lot of effects makeup in that movie where people's skin is like burned off and uh, cut up and stuff. It's and there's a disemboweling and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's nasty. No, it's pretty it's nasty movie. I understand yeah. why it'd be censored at the time, uh, why people would try to censor it or whatever. But I mean, that's stupid. So, 
since yeah. I think it's stupid in my opinion, but no, for sure. Times have changed a lot. Yeah. And then that same year we have, um, Salo, which was banned in so many things for the betrayal of, um, murder and torture and rape for uh, young kids in the depiction of that. Um, weirdly enough, uh, it was not banned in the United States and really uh, received a limited uh, release in 1977. Oh, however, it was banned in Canada. But which just thinks it's weird that this would be a movie that's like fine for the United States, like in comparison to some of the other stuff that they've banned, you know. But I guess America's pretty lenient, which is pretty crazy to think of, like a lot of the stuff that we don't expect to get band like the whole um saw six and seven where it's like it was fine all the way up until six and seven for some fucking reason and then all of a sudden people started noticing and you got banned in certain countries you look at countries especially asian countries like china which we'll probably do a whole episode and we'll go into like china yeah china we'll go (laughs) we'll go into the whole china thing the china thing in our uh, category three episode, but nowadays it's very rare that you see a horror movie come from that country. And I know, for example, in the game Fortnite, you can't even have characters with skeletons on them, or you can't have ghost stuff or anything. So they edited it out all the all the skins and on posters and stuff. You can't have any skeletons or anything like that. So what happened from the days of? untold story and dr lamb and men behind the sun to now you can't even have like skeletons i know that's crazy so we'll have to do some it definitely shows you a region just have how sometimes there's a um a power like a whole entire just control of power just can completely destroy a media if any of our listeners know anything about that too what happened between that whole 1980s and 90s of them making oh, extreme films. Yeah, for sure, because we're going to go into an episode of that. We really want to know. So if anyone can just hit us up and let us know what happened over in China, Hong yeah. Kong, all that be interesting. Anyone write a thesis on it? Yeah, yeah. that's like a whole episode worth of stuff. And then UK, like in Australia, you have censorship. It's crazy. Like pretty much everything we looked up had a strong Australian censorship and... Yeah, yeah. You, I guess you'd never really want the Australian cut of anything, right? It's, it's pretty. So yeah, to get into later, um, uh, I spit on your grave is we were just mentioning before. It was kind of one of the ones that pivoted the way in the and ones that got notorious in the video nasty is the uh, one that kind of was like the vo- voice of it. But yeah, but it's kind of known and notorious, especially with a thirty-minute rape scene. Um, just the way it starts and it received an X rating in Norway and Iceland and West Germany and Ireland just because of just the glorification of violence against women. They just didn't think it appropriate. Pretty hardcore stuff though. And still very effective and still hard to watch. So Robert Ebert called it even a vile bag of trash. Yeah. He calls a lot of good stuff a vile bag of trash, <laughs> but he is. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, I, I like, I like, knowing what he thinks of a movie because i know what he hates so if he hates a horror film there's a good chance i'll probably like it yeah there's a few especially like doom generation was one of them that was notorious in that and i love that yeah that movie movie's crazy uh caligula 1979 that's, that's a great movie 
It's yeah. so bonkers all the way through. I can't believe it was even made. No, especially just the fact of using penthouse models and just getting the whole permission, especially back then, and just getting that put together. Um, well, I mean, it wasn't originally supposed to have all that sex, all the sex scenes, but like they filmed around like 50 minutes, like five zero fifty 50 minutes of sex scenes with all the play, play was it penthouse? Yeah, it was yeah, penthouse. penthouse. And it was like a weird co-production between Bob Guccione and um, who, who was the other guys? Yeah, <laughs> I'm drawing um, a blank I'm not on sure. them right but, now. But but uh, no, but it's crazy, and that's kind of why a big reason um, it was mostly only sold uh, sold in porn stores for a while, um, just because of its notoriousness of that and who they used in it and and its X rating. So you can you can get you can get the real version of the porn store. You had to. And that was the only way to get it, which is crazy. Yeah, and I I get why why you would want the cut version too because it is way too long of a movie for what they're trying to do in it. Mm-hmm. But I haven't seen the cut version, and if they took out all the violence, because there's some pretty cool violence in there, and if they take out like some of the blood, that would be a shame. Yeah, or the fisting scene, which is awesome with the mashed potatoes. <laughs> yeah, another so there's some bigger stuff that kind of bigger name stuff that had dealt with a lot of it, like Friday the 13th dealt with a lot of it. Um, and that was mostly just trying to pass an R rating to, for, for everything. Yeah. And then when you go on to the seventh one, was that the one with the, the telepathy? Yeah. Yeah. That movie had a whole bunch of the gore cut out. Mm. So the first one was even the VHS was seized by the police and the distributors, (laughs) <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's crazy because not just a few years later, you get movies like Jason Goes to Hell and Jason X, which were some of the goriest, most fucked up Jason movies. So yeah, I don't know why they. Then Evil Dead, which is in the that's probably the one that everyone's like, if you're going to go into the video nasty of like, oh, I haven't heard any of these. Well, if you heard of Evil Dead, it's like, oh yeah, I know that one. Like this is pretty much the most popular one out of it. Um, and yeah, this one had a lot of, um, issues with banning and just getting all kind of theatrical problems and just, but then, um, but some find it comical and love them, but especially the second one, I feel the second one probably had less banning because of it being more of a comical thing and not trying to be taken so serious, but they even went to the point where they dyed the blood green just to make it less violent looking. Weird. That was in the second one when they did that. Yeah, and then the the third one, Army of Darkness, is just kind of feels like a fantasy movie. So I don't think there was any censorship there. I think it's like the more studio involved Raimi got, the less he had to worry about. Yeah, for sure. But his first one got a lot of flank, and um, I get it. There's a lot of you know, there's a tree rape scene. It's yeah, and valid. that that was actually one of the biggest things that caused a yeah. problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now going to one of my favorite films, um, Possession, 1981. It was um, banned actually for a decade um, for any kind of home video release. Um, it didn't get anything until like 1999. It came out in 1981. They released in like a 97 version, but but the, the whole running time is a 127, so it's a big fucking cut but that movie is amazing and there's one of those things of like because of how much they cut it, it if you you can't really cut that film because it's already so 
out there and hard to make sense of. So if you take anything away, then it's you're even more lost. So it's definitely one of those things. And it's not even like gory. It's just the concepts and the dark tones and everything about it. So it's, I'm just really always wondering like what makes it such a censorship in some things. Like Salo, I get it. Cannibal Holocaust, get it. Some of these things I get, but then other ones I'm like, what the fuck, really? We briefly talked about Henry and Portrait of Killer, 1987. But yeah. that was one of the ones that it was going to have an X rating, but they basically just chose to cut it back so that they can. And then eventually redistributed the uncut version later once it became out of theaters, essentially. So they distributed it in theaters. And a lot of people do that. You know, they try to, uh, they want a theatrical release. So they'll put out a cut version, then later on do the director's cut and the cut that they want once they can put it out on VHS or DVD. Well, that kind of happened later um, with uh, a lot more home entertainment type stuff. Yeah, especially with DVDs coming out. Mm-hmm. That became really popular uh, for physical releases. Yeah, because they just want to be able to get exposure, so they'll just put out whatever they can in theaters, and then like, well, we'll just put out another version later. Remember the uncut or unrated stamp? It was like almost looked like a stamp that was on every single movie. Yeah, uncut. Yeah, they got they got obsessed with that for a while. It was just way too much. Like every fucking and it's like they just added one one scene of dialogue. And it, yeah. So it was like, yeah, it was uncut, but it wasn't like any blood or gore anymore. Right. They like, you like you checked us. It was just cut for time. But then there's those ones that are just completely like yeah. barricade where there's like 40 minutes of gore taken out and then the the version's just like or like the hatchet movies. Yeah. Those are pretty like cut for those I mean the third one I think was made for sci-fi channels. So it was made for mm-hmm. TV, but Anyway, but again, uh, Men Behind the Sun that was a uh, one in 1988 that caused a lot of problems, um, just because of graphic, graphic content and um, just all around. Um, Australia caused a big problem. There's an outcry in Japan about it because of the director even receiving death threats. It's crazy, yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy that they went into that subject matter. But they did it in the 80s, so it was, uh, you know, it was kind of... But they gave it almost a pass because it was so, like, shot footage type, so that it was more educational. But then there's just straight torture and then just unnecessary things of what they're doing. So it's not very, in some ways, educational. It's anti-Japanese propaganda, though. Yeah, I think... When it it comes down to it. Oh, 100%. And it's just crazy that they were making anti-Japanese propaganda in the 80s, which I get get why they're angry, for sure. Yeah. At the same time, it's just, I I didn't know that... But then there's just scenes that are just, like, kind of thrown in, especially the the cat and rat scene where they notoriously... Or apparently, you know, it's it's honey, dyed honey on the cat, and they just kind of drug the cat so it looks like it's passed out. But I don't know. The scene is still hard to watch no matter what. Um, but And then, the obviously, the the autopsy with the kid. Oh, it's a rough, rough scene. Mm-hmm. Good movie, though. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, then going into Brain Dead, um, that was definitely one that caused some problems. Um, but then also it was kind of not because they uh, like 
Britain didn't cause too much problems with it because they found it like funny <laughs> and kind of lighthearted in a way. So, so they didn't cause too much of a problem with it. So there's, but like- then South Korea, Singapore, Finland, um, they thought it was just way too gory, you know. And then U.S. caused a um, had an edited version for a while, but they had the whole issue because of. Um, because brain dead was already a name of a movie they had to change it to dead alive and then it got redistributed but so there's there's the unrated version that's 97 minutes yeah of that movie and the which r-rated is 85 I think is the one that everyone has and then there's the 85 one which was the one that was at the video store a lot of the time. Yeah. But I heard that there's like an even longer version. It's I heard about that the German too. cut. Like yeah. A German cut. And I really, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, yeah, I've heard about that one too. Um, not that the uncut version like even needs more or the unrated version even needs. Any I mean, yeah, right. I love it anyway. No, no matter so what it be. Gore. Like I don't even, <laughs> I don't even feel like it needs anymore, but no, it's still, it still held the record for the longest time with the most blood. And most gore in a film, but but yeah, but getting into uh, grotesque, um, two thousand nine, um, yeah, this one was definitely the BBFC was just like, nope, fuck you, don't care, um, and just because it was just too much of just they even trying to edit, they're just like you know basically there's too much to cut to where the point where there's not even point in putting it out because I'm surprised just, they even tried to submit it to theaters yeah <laughs> it wasn't uh, grotesque isn't like hostile like it's it's yeah. like you know digging digging deep into your body parts kind of gore not i mean hostels goes pretty far but yeah hostels another one that had some issues for sure too yeah but it, and that's the thing about Eli Ross films. I bet if if he was able to not have to worry about censorship, he would see a lot more. And that was the unfortunate thing about Green Inferno is that I heard that he wanted to go a lot more yeah. crazy with the gore on that one. And you can tell during the gore scenes that it's pretty tame. Yeah, especially when you get popular. Um, I'm sure there's the case with that with Rob Zombie. Um, you know, maybe his films would actually be good if... Um, he had not as much eye on him. Yeah. But yeah. And then going into one of the, uh, probably most notorious about being just banned and is a Serbian film. Um, it's a band so much, uh, Germany, Norway, Brazil, New Zealand, Spain, Malaysia, Singapore. They're not, and it's not still banned, but a lot of them still are. And and this is one of those things in like it was kind of a recent ban in Britain that they were surprised because they hadn't really banned anything since grotesque, um, which wasn't just last year, but still. It's interesting to to talk about that movie because it's banned, or it's not banned in the United States, but you can't buy it. It's it's never going to get mainstream distribution. Right. You still have to buy it through. <clears throat> And people still or, want that extra minute. Yeah. People that, are just dying for that extra minute. That extra minute of fucked upness. And then we're going to get a couple ext- more extra minutes on that new release that's coming out with the document, like around the time the documentary yeah. is coming out. Yeah. It just seems, yeah, it's really funny. There's basically th- technically three edits, but the third edit 
is about is hasn't really been released or there's claims that there is one that's out but it's just like some same thing we were saying like some german release i have a feeling the new edit's not going to be anything fucked up they got cut out i think it's just like i was talking about earlier i, I heard it was probably... actually in the baby scene was extended but something but i don't know possibly i think it's like six extra minutes or something whoa just heard some buzzing i don't know what that was oh watch out for these chords Yeah, so serving film, I remember the police got called uh, on a showing in Seattle. I just remember here. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple of places too. Um, I think there's even some legal battles that somebody tried to show it at, a, at somewhere just despite and say, I'm going to show it anyways and end up getting arrested. So it's definitely one of those ones that's frowned upon and not usually shown in festivals. Next one on your list, Father's Day. I think it's funny you put on there because. Well, it's funny that it actually had any issues at all, but yeah, it apparently had um, some bad. Uh, and the, apparently, the actual full Father's Day movie is um, still heavily edited, and it's a pretty raunchy movie. But yeah, I mean, it's it just feels like a trauma movie. I know what well, it is. So it just like. But it's just yeah. There's just the guy was just so outraged by it being pulled at the Munsterfest festival and it caused this big uproar. Um, so some toxie is just as bad, I would say, but whatever. yeah, but this is kind of just getting into more recent ones. Cause it's nowadays it's with private, um, distributing and, and things like that. There's not as much of people like coming down on you of saying, no, 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 you can't do this. Like it's, I mean, it's still, if you're trying to get a, theatrical release and trying to do this and trying to do that then yeah sure but like if you're just trying to put your film out and just put a dvd out or whatever it's pretty easy um but yeah but festivals are might not show your shit um or you'll get your ass kicked while you're showing it like in uh what movie was that where the person started beating their ass during the oh what was that (laughs) Oh, uh, I don't remember. It's happened a few times, I think, to people. Yeah. No, I'm sure. It just seems like a lot of people. And, yeah, and, and death threats. Um, for instance, going back into Salo, you know, with how much threats he had of not putting out when he had and then, you know, basically being murdered over it after he went ahead and put out the film and r- ran over by his own car and beaten up by a male prostitute, you know, by a young which is kind of ironic because of how much he exploits that. And yet he gets um, killed by what he exploits. It was oh, a Troz. Uh-huh. A Troz. Someone was watching a Troz and they started beating up the director or producer or something. That's funny. How dare you make this film? There's the Bunny Game 2012. This one was the BBFC just rejected the film. Um, and just won't ever be released basically in the UK type statement. Yeah, some of the quotes and some of these things are kind of crazy. I was kind of reading in the like BBC director, they'll get into these like quotes that they're talking about and getting into the bunny games. As, uh, it is the board's careful considering view that the issue, the certificate to this work, even in its confines to the adults, would be inconsiderate for the board's guidelines and would be a risk and harm within the terms of the Video Recording Act and would accordingly be unacceptable to the public. Um, just like they're feeling like this is just some potential harm to the public. It's always just funny. And that, 
And it just makes you wonder of like how much um, of the people that are behind these groups are like religious fanatics um, just behind a business trying to push it, like push their agenda, like their religious agenda. Yeah, there, I mean, there was a lot of censorship that was brought on by that satanic panic and yeah. the religious right in the 80s and 90s. And it was making it onto talk shows and the news about how doom was turning your kids into Satan worshipers or Rammstein was turning your kids into like BDSM kink people. And so there was just all this like crazy hysterics about how, I mean, it still happens to this day. It's just, I would say artists these days are a little more tame. I mean, all you have to worry about now is that your kid's going to start drinking cough syrup and get a face tattoo. But no, there's, yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to get into all that. There's definitely a different, type of thing nowadays yeah now it's like political correctness i would say is the kind of stuff that gets censored pretty heavily Mm -hmm. and but i mean that's something that you don't have to really have to worry about in the underground and the extreme stuff that we talk about a lot on this show and but it does kind of happen in horror especially indie horror right now there are certain movies that are getting a lot of attention because well, people don't like well a lot of times it's not even agenda. yeah or the people behind the film is what's now causing controversy or people are like making public ban on um certain films that they're just saying oh, i'm gonna sell out my stuff and you know going to lucifer valentine and all allegations of everyone just selling out their shit you know that's almost a form of banning because there's like a public banning of just being like let's all just say fuck this film together a boycott yeah same happens mm-hmm. with victor salva of the jeepers creepers movies and and stuff like that some people yeah really and there's also a lot of different things of like even looking to ebay and you know the certain films that you can't sell like a serbian film is uh banned on there uh necromantic is banned on there the faces of death is banned on there to sell but yeah you still fucking find a way people find it which is always ebay know. of all sites is going to act all puritan all of a sudden yeah. Like that's that's like I don't know, what's next? Craigslist? I mean that's right. like eBay has been selling people have been selling sleaze on there for And so that's long. not even to get into customs, you know, cuz you can go on to like the oh, band yeah. things, but then we're getting into customs of like you can, you know, be fine. Oh yeah, this film's fine to distribute, but then customs could come around and be like, "Well, we don't find it fine and we're just going to burn this." Yeah. And I'm sorry you spent $100 on this rare snuff film or like what not or, you know, pseudo snuff film. Um, yeah, we hear a lot about it online with all those groups that we're in but there's yeah. also that story especially in of, canada apparently like canada's just getting like yeah speaking of canada remember that story where fred vogel was trying to cross the border with a bunch of toe tag stuff to get to a convention and they seized thousand like thousand dollars worth of merchandise that he was maybe oh, more dollars made him sit at the border for like almost a whole day so he missed a whole day at the convention and had to fork over a bunch of his shit i don't know if he ever got it back in the long run but he wasn't able to sell it at the convention and that's their bread and butter you know selling, yeah especially with him because he's kind of like notorious and, and it's like when they were a lot of people up. are like hey where's fuck is fred vogel like i came here for fred vogel <laughs> i just imagine a bunch of like canadian royal canadian mounties just watching like mortem <laughs> just like this is kind of bad, eh? <laughs> and that's actually one thing that they made a point to. And some people were quoted and in interviewing of like, well, what do you think about this film personally? 
um, do you find it degrading? He's like, well, I've never actually even seen the film. So a lot of these people that are censoring these films or saying that they're this like public outroar haven't even fucking seen the film. And that's always how it is. They usually, I feel like whenever, like especially rap music and 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 heavy metal <laughs> and stuff like that was always going to court. You had D. Snyder and Frank Zappa and Two Life Crew going to court. And I feel like the first time they had ever heard the music was when it's being played in court or like Doom for, you know, when there were shootings and stuff, people were blaming it on Doom. It's like these people haven't even seen it before. Yeah, they just hear about it and then just like freak out over the name. Yeah. You know, I'm sure just people like people that got freaked out over um, magic, even just with all the satanic symbolism and you know that being tossed into the satanic group. And like, I believe me, I hang out with a bunch of um, magic nerds. I'm probably the craziest magic nerd there is <laughs> when it comes to like the gore and horror and satanic, you know, satanicism or whatever the fuck you say, satanism. And let's not get into the fetishes. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd like to see that, you know, like what they're just like into. Yep. Like, Put that figurine in my butt. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Probably edit that part. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe not. So, yeah. So that's kind of getting into a lot of battles with censorship. I mean, it's something that's going to be constantly happening especially with uh, when things become a little bit like where's the next shock where's the next thing um of course people are going to always push the boundaries and we've even talked about a few other films that have definitely pushed the boundaries and even more than we've just brought into you know and i think that's a reason why extreme cinema is always going to be a collector-based genre because people won't be able to go on Netflix and watch a stream of headless or Serbian film because it's just not there. There, there might be some ways to stream Maybe it. Tubi. Yeah. Tubi has some stuff from unearth and unearth has their own streaming site and there's some other places you can go, but owning when you own an extreme movie, it's cool because you own an extreme movie, but also you're, it's also very addicting. It's like getting a tattoo. Yeah, but like the good thing about it is it's not going to get swept out from under you. Like like the distributor's not going to take it away off their streaming site all of a sudden. So it's kind of why you got to own these sometimes or you'll never see them ever again. Oh yeah, for sure. And especially, you know, this film may not may have had no problems um with distribution for the longest time and then all of a sudden um they're like fuck this, we're taking it off the shelf and you can't buy this, you know. Um and so all of a sudden now it's only through people that have happened to have owned it. But then what if those are now like, say for instance, like faces of death, um, it's all banned through eBay. It's all banned through Amazon. It's all banned through all this stuff. So now that's forced to go underbelly and get sold underneath. And so this, you know, it's just pushing these films further and further underneath. So it's, it's kind of a good thing that, um, distribu- distribution isn't so one-sided and having to be where it has to be this big money corporation um, and government holding and you know like I'm sure China has a huge hold on their um, their companies that distribute everything and like and none of them are really owned by um, people that are in it for the passion of it anymore it's just like basically um, full control so I don't know 
where's the art in that you know so big middle finger to censorship and banning and all that bullshit yeah i mean i i get it for like censoring for like tv or because you want to just be able to put it out on certain things i don't know it's there are certain ones i think that can get very gray and that's why i think there's always going to be a battle with this because there are movies that i think shouldn't be put into the public eye um and i think but i don't think they should be completely censored where you cannot ever find this i just don't think it needs to be promoted you Um, think channel 309 should be playing at local cinema no, exactly. You know, exactly. Like there's an audience, an appropriate audience at appropriate time, and you know we don't really have the sleazy theaters that we used to do that used to play out these grindy, you know, dirty sleazy films. It's it's more a lot more family. It's a lot more whatever. So I kind of get it for ticket sales for the general public for the certain things, but. But when it comes to like distributing for home and, and distributing for whatever and however, I think however the DVD wants to be released because should be produced in the way that it want it released. Um, that is a freedom to the artist. That is a freedom to their, that's their film. That's their distribution more than anything. Yeah, I, that's my opinion. But I guess the hardest part would be to, to find someone that will press it. You know, if you're putting out something that's really fucked up, you know. If you want to get a solid pressing of your DVD rather than just a DVD-R. That's why I remember a lot of movies I wanted to see. I think I bought DVD-R copies because, you know, they couldn't get distribution at first. Oh, nowadays it's actually crazy how much um, you think to be mainstream is just DVD-R. And it's it's not even... And it's actually... It's distributed as a DVD. It's it's just burned into DVD-R. It's because they can't um it's too expensive or whatever it be or being an indie distributor but it's as much press as i can well that's for another episode shall we get on to our interview yeah we're gonna uh, i'm probably I'm, I'm gonna sit this one out uh this is gonna be all you christian yeah so enjoy I'll talk to you guys later on our next episode, and I'll probably be popping in the Discord every once in a while to have a little chat in between my gaming. Maybe I'll stream some of my gaming for you guys if you're play interested. Some Doom. You guys could watch me play uh, Daisy, which is what I play a lot of the time. Oh, Doom! I'll play. I'll verse you on Doom. You can watch us. Oh, Doom Battle! I'll fuck you up with the rocket launcher. <laughs> yeah, you need to get a PC gaming. Oh, do I have all that? No, I know what I mean. You need to get a. Uh, what a PC gaming setup! Oh yeah, yeah, yeah I know, hundred percent. I mean, I I probably could run. I could definitely run Doom on here and all the battle and have it run fine. Oh, especially old Doom. I'll, yeah, I'll I mean, you on the old yeah. Doom, the modded <clears throat> modded deathmatch, dude, with the old like sprites and shit. Mm-hmm. It's cool. So yeah, thanks a lot, guys, for uh, joining in on that Discord too. It's been cool seeing all the support. And you got to tell Nathan that I thought Fing Boner was hilarious. Yeah, no, you still need to see Amityville Vibrator. That one's one of my absolute favorites out of it. That's what I'll watch it now. It. You turn me around on it. I know it's it's funny, uh, and especially just out of the spoof. And I think I just found it at the right time because I was, and this happened I think with a lot of people of uh, where they're realizing like, oh fuck, how many goddamn Amityville Vibrator? Or no, sorry, 
They they realize like how many goddamn how many Amityville movies. movies are there? Yeah, and then they come across um, what the fuck is this Amityville vibrator? And I hope I ha- uh like luckily came across it right at the time when it was still um, being distributed because it sold out for quite a while, um, but it was heavily sold after just because of the the popularity of Amityville, um, and it's crazy just how how much Amityville is just. Uh, turned around you there's like oh, probably 100 <laughs> i know there's at least 30 um i know that for a fact but there's crazy it's crazy how many there are and they keep popping out new ones yeah i was a little afraid to watch you let me borrow it for a long time i never got around to it because i just didn't want to watch a horror comedy because horror comedies especially low budget ones are just never always so cringy and then i but i watched fang boner and i was like okay this is actually really fucking funny so i gotta watch amityville vibrator now and, yeah and there's other ones so you turn me around on nathan Rumor. all right well cool and then we'll have a good uh interview with him and yeah tune in yep all right, what's up nathan rumbler thanks for uh joining the podcast no problem man yeah, we're going to get, get into some censorship and some questions about kind of what you are doing and uh, what you uh, kind of do and everything like that. And one thing that kind of just kind of curious about, because your, your style is very uh, cool and I like it, but um, what was some of the influences in the style of your directing? You know, I take influence from lots of stuff, but the stuff that I do specifically with like the budget I work with and stuff, uh, it'd be like John Waters, Herschel Gordon-Lewis basically like my two biggest influences probably yeah no those are definitely good influences you can definitely see that your sense of humor i like a lot reminds me a lot of you know the b-rate and john waters and or billsy bub or something kind of like that is um so is franken's uh frankenstein's fatal flying uh is that your first acting role no um i i worked on a movie called blood orgy at beaver lake as the first feature i ever worked on i was back in like 20 2012 2011 i can't remember but i had a very small role on that i was the production manager i think that's just a title they threw at me but as i ran audio um i was playing i played a small part as like a newscaster in that who's like interviewing uh, a couple of (laughs) i i think it's like a, a chicken fucking or a chicken rape i don't i don't even remember his really stupid but the yeah the they had a lloyd kaufman shoot a scene on on green screen so i'm like kind of his reporter it was really stupid i had my line cut though but that's technically the first time i've had any kind of role or anything so how did you uh start working with james bell i like telling the, the trauma dance story um he I, I worked with trauma dance detroit for the first couple of years um and the second year that it got the second year that i was going uh the very first movie that we received in the mail was james bell's dog dick <laughs> and you know Classic. like the old the older style of like dvds he used to make there's like that weird like felt and like hand paint and stuff all over it mm-hmm. like just packaging was so weird and i was me and the other guys were convinced that we just got sent like a snuff film or something. <laughs> but, like we, we watched it and we were just kind of blown away by it. Like it's 
real fucked up movie and we loved it so we screened it and yeah he's definitely out there he's very surreal yeah we uh that's that's how i found out he was local though um i don't think i actually like reached out until uh manure was out though and like i saw his actual like gore effects work and um i'm pretty sure that's how i started talking to him about uh asking him about doing the effects for fang boner but that's mm-hmm. yeah because he's done a lot of effects outside of his movies it's funny when i like i'll just watch this random movie and like oh shit james bell did that and yeah when it comes to the effects he's shipped stuff like worldwide like <laughs> mm-hmm. he's not actually on set they're using a lot of his props and stuff yeah you know? so any uh future projects in the works yeah um <clears throat> Right now, I'm just finishing editing for the Amityville Vibrator Blu-ray. I've been editing stuff like nonstop. <laughs> but um, once I'm finally done with that, I do have a new uh, feature. I got uh, the whole outlines all uh, planned out in my head. Uh, I just haven't. I just got to sit down and write the script. Um, but it's basically going to be like a little love letter to something weird video. It's uh, going to show kind of like the history of sexploitation and. Uh, yeah, it's just a throwback to a lot of that kind of stuff. I'm going to try to shoot it in the style of that kind of film. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, lo- I love when they mix kind of the um, horror with uh, porn. And I thought about doing some things in my past or kind of doing maybe like a uh, Debbie Kills Dallas or mm-hmm. um, do like a flesh of uh, Cafe Flesh and Gore or some kind of like in that realm. Yeah, I like like a lot of that stuff. The stuff Joe D'Amato was doing in uh like the seventies and eighties and stuff like hardcore, like that hardcore or yeah, hardcore mixed with gore and shit like that. Yeah. Like, Even some Joe Coffin, he kinda does some interesting things. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Coffin Joe, yeah. Actually I didn't even know he directed porn until like a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. I just knew his like for a while I just knew his like coffin joke. I knew he had like other like stuff besides coffin joe I, yeah i didn't realize he shot porn for quite a while yeah it's funny when you find out like people that do that like, like or people that used to be in porn you know like sylvester stallone and um with italian <laughs> stallion and just like that whole thing is just fucking hilarious i don't know if you've ever seen it but just the whole where they jump they get in a circle afterwards and dance after the orgy and, and <laughs> it's hilarious Oh, and you don't yeah. even get any good nudity you get like a butt shot it's like mostly just so you like one side dick i think that's it <laughs> nice any plans on doing any more short films yeah i actually um i shot a little bit of one uh at least like the opening scenes for it um and i have an ending in mind already but i'm kind of struggling with what i want to put in the middle so i don't mm-hmm. want to shoot the ending until i get the middle of it but it's uh it's sort of similar to Wraith in a way that there's really not a script. It's just more like free form, like I film whatever. And I kind of make a story out of that, but mm-hmm. um, it's kind of struggling with like, connecting the beginning to the end. <laughs> yeah. But Especially one, with something one, so personal. Yeah. Yeah. Wraith was a lot more personal. Um, it's kind of a continuation of that, but it's still like its own thing. Like you could probably watch the new thing and, you know, wouldn't have to watch Wraith beforehand to get it. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it'll probably come out eventually. <laughs> um, have you screened any of your films at any festivals? I don't really bother too much with festivals. It's more of like, uh, 
any kind of horror convention that caters to more underground stuff is usually going to screen my stuff like um cinema wasteland in ohio um shock stock out in london ontario and canada um there's a theater in iowa that's real they screen a lot of indie stuff they've screened a lot of my stuff stuff like that just because i don't think most festivals probably wouldn't even look at the kind of stuff that i make so (laughs) i don't bother with it and a lot of them like charge you a fee just to get a rejection letter so right yeah (laughs) i can see that being kind of frustrating what does your family think of your films (laughs) um yeah my, my dad hasn't seen anything that i've done there's a lot of stuff that uh (laughs) <laughs> pretty much my dad's very like conservative christian uh like polar opposite of the kind of stuff that i'm into so <laughs> he knows i make movies but he just kind of keeps it at that um my mom buys everything that i make just because she wants to be supportive but i think the only movie of mine that she's actually watched was fang boner um beyond that i think she just buys stuff just to support it be supportive um what was her thoughts of fang boner <laughs> i i do remember she said um it was better than she thought it was gonna be and oh God, what'd she say about the nudity <laughs> it was something like uh there there's a lot of naked girls but i don't know i can't, I can't remember her exact quote it was something funny but I don't know. <laughs> well, it's pretty funny. Yeah. She's That's not good super, to have someone supportive. She's not super uptight about stuff like my dad is. Yeah. No, I can see that. Um, so were you surprised on the quick cult status that Amityville Vibrator got? Yes and no. Uh, like I was I was pretty shocked at how fast my first uh my first line of 666 copies went i figured i'd maybe like the first half of them would sell pretty fast and then i'd be sitting on the rest of them for a while but yeah those all sold out in six months and the sales were pretty constant then it was out of print for another six months and i have more copies now which are they're not selling as fast but they're still selling at like a pretty steady rate like more steady than anything else i've ever made so Mm -hmm. i think it has gotten out there a lot more than i thought it was going to but i know it'd at least be like somewhat popular but yeah do you feel that the just the amityville name kind of helped with that probably a little bit <laughs> yeah um yeah i was pretty shocked um i don't know if you, you listen to metal or anything but uh I do, yeah. yeah uh will from mortician bought a copy of it and i was like really pumped about that <laughs> that's funny it's like i have yeah. some people that yeah. that's cool um, so why is uh, Cinema Wasteland the first screening of Amityville Vibrator? Because uh, of COVID, basically. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we had a... the. Uh, I'm starting to get kind of buzzed, so I <laughs> apologize if I'm like stumbling over shit a little bit. Oh, it's um, fine. <laughs> yeah, Jake from uh, Shockstock, he, uh, he put on like a virtual screening there's a streaming premiere that we had um besides that i just had like a little backyard gathering my friend put up a projector and we watched it in my hometown had like maybe 15 20 people show up to that um 
yeah, everything was just shut down for a while. So I couldn't, you know, have an actual premiere premiere in like a setting like that. So yeah, it's finally going to have a little, little crowd in mm-hmm. two weeks, three weeks. I don't know. That'd be cool. Yeah, that sounds cool. Um, so when can we expect the Blu-ray of the Amnibo Vibrator? I'm still editing. Uh, I'm just working on finishing the extended cut of it right now. And then also the second half of the behind the scenes. But that's pretty much it. I was hoping to originally be done by the end of this month, but might, might go over that a little bit. But either way, um, I think I'll, I'll at least have the product in my hand by the end of this year, like November, December. I think I'll be able to have it like ready for sale by that point. So, yeah, it's close. So I've been working on it for a long fucking time. <laughs> yeah. How long is the new scene and the extended cut? I haven't actually finished it yet. I realize there's like a couple like things I got to shoot here and there to fill in the gaps, but I haven't, I think it's probably going to be around like five or six minutes long. So I shot a brand new scene for it and most of, I won't say like all, but like most of the sexual scenes are extended as well. Like I, I shot more than I actually put into that movie because my intention wasn't actually to make like a full on pornographic movie is more like just kind of writing that, you know, borderline type stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But the extended cut is pretty much porn or <laughs> like as close as you can get to it. Like the, the, the new, sh- new scene I shot is like a hardcore scene feature featuring puppet. So yeah. Spanky. Yeah. <laughs> it's really spanky ridiculous. casting couch for there. Yeah. <laughs> It, no, uh, it sound, inc- sounds cool. It, it incorporates a joke that I make in like in the original film, so like I, I made it make sense. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so are you reshooting some of the sex scenes, or just this is just stuff you never put out? No, it's just uh, like I, I shot more than I actually like put yeah. into like uh, anytime the or the sex got like real graphic, I don't show it for like super long, but I shot more than I use so a lot of the sex scenes are going to be like extended. So, so with uh fang boner, were you surprised about the price? The limited edition goes for, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When we were making that, I, I had no idea what to expect or if it would ever hit any kind of like status like that. But yeah, the original pressings of fang boner are going for like 70, 80 bucks on eBay. now. Yeah. It's pretty crazy to me. <laughs> Michael, I was one of those victims. <laughs> I didn't pay that bad, but I I paid a bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, they they've been out of print for a pretty long time now at this point. So, yeah. No, I just kind of wanted to see your cut and just hearing about you know Wild Eyes release and just what they kind of did with it. It's like, yeah, I want to hear see actual what you right. wanted. Because how many versions are there of Fang Boner? I know there's at least four. <laughs> there might be five because, um. It was originally, it ran 96 minutes, and I was like, no, this is too long. So, like, that version never got released. Um, the very first version that was pressed to disc ran 93 minutes. Um, that was out for about a year, but, like, seeing it at screenings and stuff, I started noticing stuff. I'm like, uh, I could have cut this, I could have cut this. And so I went back, <laughs> and we cut out more, and I had a cut that ran 90 minutes, which is my... That's the one that I prefer. Um, I think it just runs a little bit smoother. um, After that, then we released a 
is an extended cut, which was only on uh, it was a Blu-ray that Bob Fair. Fair I, I never know how to pronounce his last name, Fair, Faria, something like that. Uh, it was his Blu-ray that he put out of it. And that had pretty much all the extended scenes, all the deleted scenes put back into it. And that ran over like a hundred minutes long. Yeah. He did dead nude, nude girl, right? Yeah. Yeah. He helped release it with Ryan. Yeah. Rest in peace. Um, uh, yeah. And then, uh, the wild eye cut, which I don't like, <laughs> uh, when we were getting ready to give that over to wild eye, my editor, changed a whole bunch of music in it. He cut out one of my favorite lines of the movie. He just added some stuff here and there that I, I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking. So <laughs> he changed a bunch that I never approved. So I don't really yeah. like that. I mean, it's I not like it, uh, it's not like it like ruined the movie, but there's a lot of just changes that don't sit right with me. So I, it's hard for me to watch that version of it, but right. Yeah, Especially without like, permission. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so did you get any pro? Oh, sorry. Oh no, I'm sorry. I was saying there, there's at least four different cuts. There, I think there's another one, but I'm forgetting it at the moment. But mm-hmm. if you got the 90 minute version, that's the one that I like. So. Yeah, I don't have the one with the coke bag or the fake coke bag. Yeah, that would that, that was a 93 minute one. Yeah, I mean, I, well, I have the one that it's the same cover, but it just doesn't have the bag. So I think it's the same cut. It's just not the first release that you have that signed and has like a little, I don't know, it's something like that. You did like a limited release of one of them. Yeah, the very first one was uh, we had uh, there's a piece of the fisherman's bloody shirt in it and a piece or a little baggie with some of the fake Coke we used and okay. CD soundtrack and something else. But maybe we released that around the same time. That was the first edition of it. Oh, okay. So was the wild eye profitable at all? Mm, no. <laughs> yeah, they. Uh, well, I've I've learned now that uh, there's a lot of filmmakers that have dealt with them and had the same thing happen to them, where they basically told us after uh, after the disc replication and artwork and stuff was paid off, they would get profit split fifty fifty, but. I haven't seen they haven't sent over any kind of paperwork. Any like, I haven't seen a penny from them. They yeah, haven't really talked to them about it. <laughs> I'm yeah. planning it soon because it's been almost two years since they've had it. I at least like to see something. But I mean, like on the other end, it's like uh, it's cool to be able to. I feel like I might be able to like pull in bigger names in a way, just so I can or like I can pull up you know Amazon walmart stuff like that be like hey you know movies that i've made are in these stores they actually get seen by people like yeah like a little more legit i guess um if i ever wanted to work with somebody a little bit bigger but the, the easiest one to yeah promote it just sucks being lied to you know <laughs> yeah no 100 percent. so has that kind of turned you off from other distributors yeah i'm uh I definitely have to, I'd have to look into them a lot more before I signed on to anything else. You know, one of the reasons I didn't want to, I figured, you know, trauma would have probably taken Fang Boner, but I knew for a fact that they didn't pay filmmakers. So that was one of the reasons why I never tried going through them. <clears throat> but I did have, I had four different distributors try to get Amityville Vibrator before it was even released. 
but I, I shot them all down just because I'm like, no, I'm going to sell this one myself for a little while. <laughs> I'm, yeah. not just gonna, I'm not just going to hand it over to a distributor and possibly get fucked. So, Right. Or then just chop it to fucking. Right. <laughs> um, did you get a lot of religious hate with uh, the gay for prey? Uh, I mean, not really. That movie never really got that wide wide of an audience as uh, my other two features did um the only time i ever really did is when horror society posted a review on it and everybody in the thread was like freaking out and like oh i'm not gonna i'm (laughs) unfollowing this website and this is sick and blah 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 and saying a bunch of stuff like (laughs) you know go do one about muhammad and see how well that worked for you and uh, that was pretty fun i was kind of hoping i would get more of that but that's really the only the only case I had besides like getting some like weird looks from people at cons, like walking by reading the title and turning their face up at it, but nothing super crazy. Yeah, I mean with a title like that, you're gonna bound to piss off the Christians, but where do you uh find your actors and actresses? Um it's basically just from almost like networking on other sets and stuff. Um I want to say I worked on probably close to like 20, 25 different movie sets before I even started trying to write and direct on my own. So I met a ton of people through that. Um, just traveling to horror conventions and meeting other people. And yeah, it's basically just that. Um, I did try casting some stuff for Fang Boner, I like putting out flyers and stuff around town and that didn't work out. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like something we risk to like put on Craigslist or something, make it some risky people. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I'm I'm basically at the point now where I I know enough people that I can pretty much write roles for them, and I know they'll be down for it. And, but it just takes a while. But it was really hard to cast Amityville just because of the content. <laughs> but, um, oh, I'm sure. If I'm just asking for like basic nudity or like non-nude roles, like I I don't really have a problem casting those anymore. It's just I I know a lot of people at this point, so mm-hmm. so it's just networking by this point. Yeah. So, do you still do stuff with Rock Bottom? Yes and no. I uh, I don't write and direct with them anymore. Uh, that's that's just Brian Papandria's company now by himself. We all just kind of split and did our own thing. Like we all kind of had our own separate styles and wanted to do different stuff and just branch out. He just released Feaster Sunday on his own. I mean, no, we still talk. I'll probably still help out on set if he wants me to, you know, whatever he wants me to do, do like a small role or something. But I, I don't make movies through them anymore. I got my own thing now too. So. Yeah. You haven't hit rock bottom or anything with him or? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we still talk. So to kind of get into some personal things that happened recently, are you worried on the recent trend of your house being broken into? <laughs> um <laughs> I hope it's not a trend, but uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, about a week ago, it's actually a dude who's in all of my movies. He played Ronnie in Amityville. I've known him for a little over a decade, I'd say. He's always had some some mental issues, uh, but like I always kind of stuck by his side, even during his episodes. But he's just kind of gotten more and more crazier and. A couple of years ago, he turned on me and was doing a bunch of crazy shit around town. I was like, I just got to cut ties with this guy. So 
I haven't talked to him in almost two years and yeah, he showed up and tried breaking into my house and almost had to shoot him. <laughs> oh shit. But was, he's, it, was it like a mental thing or you think a drug thing? Uh, with him, I think his problem that he's not taking enough drugs. <laughs> no. He's like, he should be on like lots of medication. He, he would always go off of it. And so I think he was just having a little mental break and, yeah, I have no idea what triggered it because I, I haven't talked to him in a long time. He's getting charged with first degree home invasion. So, yeah, which I'm sure is on pretty long. <laughs> I assume he's going to be charged. A few years at least. Mm-hmm. Enough to hopefully he'll forget. You know. Right. <laughs> well, or hopefully moved. Be- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's pretty fucking wild, man. Yeah, that is crazy. Especially <laughs> someone that you like worked with and you know felt was at least somewhat more than right. an acquaintance. Yeah, he used to be one of my best friends, pretty much. Yeah. We're getting into your collection because I know you collect a lot. Like what's some of your hmm. pride possessions? Uh, yeah, that's a that's a tough question, just because I own so much. Like I I haven't counted all my movies in a while, but I I guess that I own about like five thousand. I don't know. I have so much rare stuff, like I, I started collecting when I was like 18. I've met a lot of people at cons, got their autographs that have like died now. So, and stuff that's like I bought back then that's way out of print. Like, I, I have no idea, but I was going to say um, the most expensive thing, like the most I've ever paid for something was um, a copy of Ryan Nicholson's Gutter Balls when he did the penetration edition that was limited to like 69 copies, I think. I paid like a little over $200 for that just for the one DVD. I think that's that's the most I've ever spent just on like a single disc. But yeah, uh, I know Ryan Nicholson gets expensive for sure, especially with after he passed away and everything. It's just a, it's a tough question. I don't even know. I get, I get talk about stuff in my collection for hours. So (laughs) yeah, no, for sure. Um, no, I've gotten kind of recently heavily into collecting and uh, like I've always been into media, but when I kind of more recently got into it, but I've got a pretty sizable collection already. Mm. And I know, yeah. so I know how expensive it gets. It's just like, where the hell did all my money go? <laughs> <laughs> How'd you meet um, John Waters, by the way? Mm. Oh, um, I went to go see, I actually called into work that day. <laughs> I told him I was sick. Because my friend got a hold of me, he was like, dude, you got to go see John Waters with us. And I was like, oh man, like I got an opportunity to meet him. Like, might as well, like, I, you know, I called in. Uh, we drove down. He was doing a, it was a Christmas stand up special. It was really funny, but we made friends with uh, the usher that sat us. And we're like, hey, so if we were like trying to meet John after the show, where's our best bet? Because we were like cheap asses and didn't mm-hmm. buy tickets. Agreed. And so he, he told us where to like kind of hide out and like go out there like 45 minutes to an hour after the show closed. So it was like freezing cold. It was in the middle of, De- I think it was December. It was real cold out. We were just like huddled over there. Like when he came walking out of that back of the venue and we're like, oh my God, like freaking out. <laughs> but he was super cool. Like he kind of expected it. And he's just like, all right, guys, just make it quick. I got a taxi waiting on me. He, but he, Signed all of our stuff and took pictures with us. He was super cool. So, yeah, no, I got to oh, meet him when he yeah. did uh, the Seattle thing. When he did a the book, um, 
um, what the hell is the name of the book? Um, Mr. Know-it-all. And he was doing just a kind of like a Q&A. And then afterwards, everyone just kind of sit down and chat with him. And I actually chat with him about uh, Lloyd Kaufman who was asking if he'd ever like worked with like with him and what he thought about him. It was kind of interesting to pick his brain about trauma and kind of see what he thought. And he thought that Lloyd Kaufman was too uh, raunchy for him, which I thought was kind of funny to hear coming from John Waters. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the John Waters I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it was was, was cool to chat with him. He's so easy to talk to. for sure. He seemed cool. We just had like a very brief meeting with him. So he he definitely seemed super cool. Mm Mm-hmm. So outside of uh, ones you directed, what are uh, been some of the favorite films you worked on? Probably Chubby's. That was something we shot at my uh, where I work at the Boyne Alley. We shot that after hours, so it was kind of cool, like just going in there and splashing blood all over the place. And <laughs> I wasn't like I actually, I think that was my first like big role that I've ever done in a movie with dialogue and all that stuff. But I wasn't even supposed to be in that movie one of the lead actors dropped out like the night of or he he showed up on set and was like when he found out he wasn't getting paid he just left and screwed everybody (laughs) and all right nate you're gonna play this role now and they kind of swapped everybody around yeah there's a lot of fun memories making that one um i think it's kind of a fun movie so how do you come uh how do you come across a copy of that because i've been having problems yeah um (laughs) well that movie kind of got into some legal troubles because uh they used just basically modified boglins for the monsters (laughs) um troma picked it up for distribution and at one of their conventions one of the guys that some somebody that works for mattel was walking by and noticed boglins on the poster and (laughs) basically like troma got a cease and desist from them uh so that's why you can't really find that movie anymore. But uh, when I was with Rock Bottom, we did this thing where you bought a pair of chubby sunglasses for $10 and you got a free DVD. And that was our, our loophole <laughs> to sell the DVD to people. That's funny. It was just like word of mouth and you just told people that, that was what's up or? Pretty much. Like if people asked, we'd direct them that way or, you know, we'd have them met with us at cons. Um, okay. That I, sense, I, funny. I think we were kind of low-key enough to not get caught but mattel trauma's a little <laughs> a little different yeah no for sure and it's kind of like <laughs> sorry trauma <laughs> my bad yeah, <laughs> yeah that, i don't know if, if he still has copies that'd be the best way to go about that because yeah. i don't anymore so so what's going on with the uh, trauma now and sleaze box on demand like whatever happened with those yeah i let uh I talked with Chris from Sleazebox. Um, that was like one of the only uh, streaming services I could think of that wasn't going to chop my movie to bits. They, they agreed to play it uncut. It went onto their Vimeo channel and then their account got uh, just completely taken down not even a month after that. Because I don't know, apparently you can't have nudity on there, but pretty much every single movie they had on their channel had nudity. So right, it's called Sleaze Box. So. <laughs> yeah, I think he was doing it for a while, but I don't know how he got flagged all of a sudden. But yeah, that, that his whole channel got taken down, which sucks. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he had a ton of movies on there. Um, 
so yeah that that didn't work out but um yeah i i, I uh submitted it to troma now and they're taking it so it should That's be on within like a month or two i had i had fang boner and gay for prey on there uh, a couple years back it's like they don't they don't take any rights to it or anything they no streaming rights nothing they just you just basically let them have it for a year and gets more eyes on your movie pretty much yeah did you make anything on that <laughs> yeah um after a year both those movies being on there they they sent me a check for 27 dollars nice <laughs> I didn't, I never cash it. I just like, I put it in a frame because it has Michael Hur's autograph on it. So it's like, oh, that's, that's funny. More. That's funny. You got more money just <laughs> selling the check than you do <laughs> the actual checks worth. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, that's worth more to me than getting rid of this thing. So <laughs> yeah. might be worth, worth much more later. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how do you, do you feel that indie directors have an easier time with censorship because they're putting out their own stuff? It kind of depends on what level you're at. More like underground people, like uh, myself or James or anybody like that. And yeah, we can pretty much do whatever we want because we just like self-distribute for the most part. I mean, you get into like the sort of higher level stuff, like the filmmakers that get their shit on the 2B and Prime and stuff like that. I think those companies will come down a lot harder on indie stuff. I know, I know a lot of filmmakers that had problems with Amazon prime, like chopping nudity out of their movies and just, you know, cutting their stuff to bits. And I don't know that pissed me off. That's why, <laughs> that's why I don't really, uh, I don't really gravitate towards streaming too much because of stuff like that. Cause I know companies can really fuck over indie filmmakers. Yeah, I can see that being a thing. So with the whole uh, British board um, and the filming classification and everything that goes on with that, um, are you pretty familiar with that constant battle? That, or not constant battle, but that battle that um, went on with the video nasties? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of familiar with it. I know. I'm pretty sure I own almost every movie that's on that list. So <laughs> Yeah, the legendary 72 yeah <laughs> yeah i know no, going through it i own about half maybe but no i don't but, know like all the specifics about everything that went through with that but yeah I, i'm aware of it yeah and it seems like it was all kind of like a similar span of time it was just um between like 79 and 82 they're just like hammering down on some films and just kind of on like a kick um it seems like it kind of all started with um Oh, I spit on your grave. That kind of like was one that was like a big example of just being this like too much and, you know, yeah. a threat to society and just all these films are the reasons why they banned them. It's just kind of silly. Yeah. They, uh, I think they kind of just helped those movies out in the long run though. Cause it's like, Oh, they don't want me to see this. I got, yeah. I got to see it. <laughs> yeah. And you see it in the trailer. It was just like, this film is so, you know, like just like kind of just exploit it and kind of use that as like their selling pitch in a way. Like, you know, almost like with um, John Waters when he's saying like his stuff is beyond porn and how he mm -hmm. just thought that was like a positive review and they were <laughs> trying to be all negative about it, you know, but they're like, he's like, yeah, yeah. nope, all about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I guess censorship from the right groups can actually help you out <laughs> if you think about it. 
Yeah, and, like, and a lot of these are just like, religious fanatics. Trying so. to paint something, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it makes you think of just how much of these are just people just um, just on a religious kick and don't really mm-hmm. care anything about the film. They just want to feel self-righteous. Right. <laughs> or feel like they're doing something good for society. But I don't know. I mean, I, I can see certain films um, for not getting put into the general public, you know, and I think certain films are for a certain niche audience for a reason. Like I don't see, um, you know, certain films being put into um, out on screen. I don't think they're just necessarily need to needed to, um, you know, maybe private screenings for the people that want to, you know, like up to, but the things like community, it seems like it's growing and growing. So, you know, we're, we're to the point where we could probably fill an entire audience that's down to watch Serbian film, you know, and doesn't care about the, shit you know kind of thing right so have you felt like any problems with your films with censorship or do you are you fearful of yours like getting come down later on like bite you in the butt for censorship or (laughs) um the only direct problem i've ever had was uh the company that was supposed to screen um Amityville since we couldn't do an in-person one because that was like right when COVID was hitting or at least a few months after um, so yeah, we set up this uh, this virtual screening to take place and this company was selling tickets for it for a couple weeks and then like hours before we were supposed to premiere it <laughs> they were like uh, yeah we, we finally watched the movie this movie called Amityville Vibrator that we've had in our hands for weeks now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, oh, shockingly, this movie called Amityville Vibrator is—it's uh, too graphic for us to screen on our website. So <laughs> then they had to refund everybody's money, and that was really ridiculous. So that's the. But actually, like, <laughs> it kind of helped out. It built this whole like aura about it. Like, oh my god, this movie's so graphic that they. Oh, they shut it down so we had to jake from uh we had to talk about that jake from uh shock stock was the one that put that on but he had to kind of scramble around and find some 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 other website to uh screen it on but yeah it seemed like uh i don't know if you've heard of father's day but they kind of had like a similar thing uh the astron six movie no the 2001 father's day I'm um, 2011. Sorry, the 2011 Father's Day, like the Troma one. Yeah, it's the yeah, it's, uh, Astron Six. Oh, is it called Astron Six? Sorry. The, uh, oh. it was, that was their uh, production company. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's Astron Six. Okay. I see. Yeah. No, yeah. No, that movie's fucking hilarious. I'm kind of curious on because it's apparently it's you know there's an, a more uncut version that just never got pulled out. I'd be interested to see it and like what it's all about. I didn't know about that. I know, I know them and Troma had a falling out, but I don't know what exactly happened between them. Yeah. Well, it seems like their quality is a little bit better than Troma. Like they're almost like too good for Troma. The Um, editor is really good. (laughs) mm -hmm. It kind of like reminds you of like Hobo with a shotgun or something like that. All right. Well, um, I guess that's it. Uh, Thanks for uh, joining me. Uh, It was a good chatting with you. Um, I've been a big fan since ever since I saw Amityville and kind of just did that. I'm sure a lot of people did the same thing and they're just like, oh my God, how many fucking Amityville movies are there? And then you're like, what the fuck is this Amityville vibrator? And then just end up being this, you know, 
great gem of a movie. Yeah, I, just, I wanted to make something fun. I was like getting annoyed by how many titles were dropping. Like I'd watch them and I'm like, this is fucking horrible. Like how hard is it to make it entertaining? Amity yeah. Film. <laughs> and they're still popping out horrible ones. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's pretty impressive of just how many there are like, like i think it's up to 35 now or something like that <laughs> but yeah no so thanks again uh thanks for joining and um yeah and then look forward to any future projects you got coming up yeah thanks for having me man yeah i appreciate it man you have a good night yeah, too, man. <laughs>